Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. My friends, summertime is here, and so is episode 108 of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. That means it's time for our weekly road trip down the development highway of Pantheon Rise of the Fallen and visiting friends and family that make up the Pantheon community. This week, we'll sit around Joppa's bonfire to see what he had to say in the latest developer roundtable, wade into the ocean of a discussion about zones, grab some drinks from the cooler that we call a mailbox, and chill out to the mixtape that is the tale of a rockamel. So load up the van, open the sunroof, and join me, Theric, and my navigator co-host, Desrin, as we declare this holiday to have started on this week's Rewind. So in case you can't tell her, Desrin, I am officially on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's very excited uh, to, to be on vacation. Super excited, man. I got two weeks off and I'm, I always do on, on holidays. I always like to make like a list of like fun things I want to do over the holidays. Like what I want to do, like games I want to finish, books I want to read, you know, just little things I keep, I never have time to do. So I've got my list prepared. My wife's got hers. We've got some stuff to do and, and I think we're going to have a good time. So dude, that's really smart. Yeah. Cause like whenever I have like a, you know, time off or something, I never planned. And so I just end up like kind of. <laughs> you know, not doing anything. So that's that's really smart. I, sh- I should uh, I should follow suit. Well, I, I make lists. I don't always follow them as much as I should, but at least the list has been made. The intent is there. Whether it gets done or not is a, a different story. So Dude, yeah. we'll check back in in a couple of weeks. We've got quite a list, list. Uh, as we, well. Don't oh, we? that's a I'm sorry totally... I stole it from you, but it it was you... there. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I don't care. As long as it gets out there, it doesn't matter who it comes from. Yeah, we've got quite a list today. This is the biggest raid party we've ever had. So let's get through this thing because we've got Ziplocks on the Dark Mer Rogue, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Coat on the Human Wizard, Screech on the Scar Bard, Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter, Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric, Horsosaurus on the Human Warrior, Fury Wrath on the Archive Summoner, Christopher on the Human Paladin, who's a new Patreon member, and I wanted to ask what their race and class is for Pantheon, because I don't know, so I just made them a Human Paladin, so send me a message through the Patreon if you want, Christopher. Uh, Mujin on the Scar Beard Lord, Anton on the Darkmere Shaman Keeper, love the Keeper edition there, Dimos on the Darkmere Cleric, Dave Bowers on the Human Ranger, Feldern on the Darkmere Paladin, Random Rob on the Human Juggler, <laughs> Pimander on the Gnome Summoner, Asera Avienda on the Sassy Elf Druid, Zerg Jerk on the Dwarf Rogue, and Man of Rohan on the Ember Elf Ranger, whom I missed last week and I feel terrible about, so sorry about that, my friend, uh, but uh, we got you this week. So that's a huge list. That's 19 people, and <laughs> in case you can't tell, we're getting like a raid every week. Yes. It's super exciting. And yeah, I'm pretty stunned actually. So uh, I want to say thank you so much to everybody because it's it's actually a lot, but it's also becoming a kind of unmanageable to read out. <laughs> <So> <laughs> in the interest of time and keeping our intros relatively short and, and the podcast flowing, I, I want to try and change it up a little bit. We're going to do a little something a little different. What I'm going to do is read the names of the Patreon Rewind party members and then those who uh, contribute to the show through the super chat, we're going to add their names to a and uh, racing class to a scrolling banner that's going to play over the background video that you can see throughout the show. So hopefully that's um, that works out. Um, you know the graphics not going to change, and uh, the one at the end of the show won't change either. But uh, just in time, terms of trying to save some some time and space through reading it out, um, hopefully that works for everyone. 
Um, if you want to join in, check out the Patreon page. It's linked in the description and uh, hit the super chat button if you want to uh, get your spot in the group. And again, thank you everyone so much for your support. It's very much appreciated. But whew, big list, <laughs> big party this week. <laughs> Desrin, you ready to set off? Dude, let's cruise. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. All right, let's start with the upcoming events for July that VR released this week. And of course, that starts on July 1st with the public release of the last developer roundtable, which we're going to dig into on the show today. Then on July 14th, uh, the live VR dev stream is on tap. And the tease they gave us for this is that the team traverses new heights to talk world building. So if you look really closely at the screenshot that accompanies the announcement, uh, I think they're kind of teasing <laughs> something else as well, what you might be seeing. And do you, do you see what I see there, Des? Yeah, that's fine. Well, I'm sure everyone that uh, listens to this show could guess. I'm pretty excited for this update. Um, there's been some speculation as to where that screenshot might be from. Um, and I'm, I want to, I want to talk about it a little bit, but I feel like it's a little bit borderline, <laughs> and I'd want to bring up some things that people have said in, you know, the VIP mm -hmm. Discord. So it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, ugh. Um, but I'm definitely <laughs> excited to just kind of see what they've improved upon for those mountains, because um, yeah. I feel like it's starting to become a part of my identity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about that. Yeah, you never um, can guess what's going to become a part of your identity and what isn't. But you've certainly <laughs> attached yourself to the mountains. You've, you've become like a, a mountaineer, if you will. And um, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that's what they're talking about in this in this uh, announcement. And, um, you know, world building is always a fun topic. It always goes over really well. Uh, we always get to see something new and fun and like a new piece of the world we haven't seen before even if it's something we have seen before we see it in a different light oh, yeah. which is always fun so i'm looking forward to that but um after that on july 21st vr releases their monthly newsletter and uh then the month finishes up with what i think is the most interesting part of this uh, uh calendar and that's the special all access developer roundtable uh, that is going to be open to everyone to attend rather than just the vips so let's spend a minute on this here, Des, because um, it, it sort of ignited a bit of speculation as to what, what VR is up to here. Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen, you know, I've seen chatter um, and had some time to sort of ponder this. So I'm going to give you some speculation. Again, this is purely me speculating here, but I, I think this is an announcement of, of two things. So firstly, my guess is that the, they're going to announce the final pre-alpha testing session date uh, because they've hinted at that in the last few months uh, that this is on the way. And not saying they're going to start it, but they're going to announce at least the date. And then is the second part of that being the end of maybe the pre-alpha pledge tiers. Um, because we've talked about this before, that they have to basically, there has to be like a prelude to alpha where they have to cut off the pre-alpha pledging. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they want to give as many folks one last chance to maybe get into a PA test, uh, but still offer that value, uh, you know, for a PA level pledge. Which, you know, you, you clearly, if they if this was the case, you're not going to be getting a, a whole lot of time unless it's a really big window. Um, but you would still be able to, if you chose to pledge at that level, get in there and do that. 
Now, they might actually do that in the newsletter and then the roundtable's like fielding questions about the time frame for this. But again, I'm, I'm speculating here. This is totally a guess on my part. Um, but we do know, you know, they, they do it, like I said, have to rework some of those pledge structures at some point before moving into alpha. I feel like this might be the moment for that. Um, you know, they, they did open up their official Discord to everyone a little while ago. And I feel like that's, you know, the first stage and this might be the next step. But that's my guess, and I'm sure you have your own ideas about what this is all about, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll i be honest with you, man. I, I think the idea of them kind of announcing the final PA, you know, quote-unquote final, mm-hmm. um, is – I think it's pretty out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I don't mind being out there. I'm out there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not sure they're ready to announce the end of the PA pledges either. Um, like, it, there's yeah, a chance, maybe, but I, I, I do agree with one thing, though, and, and that's that, you know, whatever they put into the newsletter, I do think they'll be taking questions live, you know, somehow for the DRT. Um, and I, I really do hope they use this kind of to uh, um, immediately respond to whatever's in that newsletter to kind of keep that, that communication loop really tight which I think is a great right. idea, right? Especially for anything yeah. potentially big. Um, yeah, I could see that. And then that you're right. I mean, that's that kind of like week after connection would be really cool, right? Yeah, I, I think that would be really smart if that's what they're going for. But as far as like the announcement goes, um, I think if, if there is an announcement, first of all, just because <laughs> they don't really <laughs> say that there's a big announcement or something, they just say it's an all access, right? And that could mean mm-hmm. anything. Um it could. It, it could. I think it could be announcing the next PA session. Um, that would make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. But like outside of that, I, I'm kind of more confident in that in what we won't see. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I'm obviously not subscribing to some of the more optimistic projections uh, that <laughs> they're going to announce alpha date or something like that. So it's, well, I didn't say that. I, I'm not I know, saying they're announcing I an know. alpha date. I did. I was going to put that in the notes because I wanted to be clear that I'm not saying they're going to announce. I'm saying they're going to announce the end of sort of pre-alpha testing, right? Yeah. There, there may be like a a buffer zone between that when you know that ends and like alpha testing begins. But see, I, I think in that sense, the end of PA is so close to the beginning of alpha, though, because they're going to really want to test that final build before alpha hits. And so it would basically be the same thing in my mind, at least really close. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I I honestly think the most likely thing, and this sounds super lame, but again, I'm setting my expectations, you know, fairly low. Um, (laughs) Did you see that Baskrim actually pointed this out? Um, He posted a screenshot of the recent art team that's grown. Yes, I did see that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, it's getting pretty big. Uh, team's getting pretty big. And I think mm-hmm. maybe they just want to kind of celebrate that. Um, so they might announce the new hires in the newsletter. And then maybe the DRT will just kind of be a place that everyone can introduce themselves. So, you know, maybe take a few questions. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be any, like, timeline <laughs> stuff, personally. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. You might be right. And it's always better to keep those expectations in check. Um, I don't mind uh, being the... Uh, being the one to be disappointed if if need be that's fine <laughs> i wouldn't be i wouldn't be disappointed anyway really either way i'm just like you know i like to i like to get a little uh a little more out there with my yeah. uh thinking perhaps sometimes but um yeah you know and the, the other thing about this too is that it kind of 
I think it might have some interesting sort of side effects in that it it's going to bring in more people into the the official Discord, right? Because yep. if they're opening it up for everybody, I mean that's it's oh, kind of interesting because actually on that note, you know, I did want to mention because you said the Discord's open to everyone. It's open to everyone that's pledged. Um, yeah. Just to be yeah. super clear, if we have any listeners that haven't pledged, like it still is just for uh, well <laughs> all tiers. Well, though. that's but that's my question though. I mean, look at if you look at the way it's described, it says open to all time and location will be included in the newsletter. Yeah. So what what does that mean? Does that does that mean it's still only open to people who have pledged, or does that mean all all? You know, I think all, I think it sounds who's... like it's going to be on Twitch or something like that instead of in okay. the Discord. Oh, okay, maybe yeah. Cause the, because the location we're so used thing to it being yeah right yeah they did mention location so maybe it's not I'm just maybe I was assuming it would be in the Discord as it's always been in the past but this might be a Twitch thing <laughs> so well, I don't know you know lots you of never unknowns know. <laughs> that well you never know what could happen anything is possible um but anyway so that's something to definitely look forward to i think july's gonna oh, be an yeah. awesome oh, month yeah. for pantheon's development so now let's move on to last month's roundtable where joppa talked about pantheon's dungeon design and and the newsletter was actually pretty cool because it was more than just the high level principle or the the roundtable rather was more than just like the high level principles that were talked about in the newsletter actually gave us some cold, hard facts. And and if I'm being honest, you know, that's a little surprising sometimes when we get that. So mm-hmm. uh, here's some bullet points for you, Desert, and jump in where you uh, where you want here, because I'm sure you have some thoughts on these. The first one I noted was VR said their current goal is to have 15 dungeons available at launch. And that includes the Overland dungeons. And and then Joppa kind of detailed what, what differentiates an underground versus an Overland dungeon, saying, you know, it's a bit of a misnomer from a literal standpoint, because... The only real difference is style and scope. Where it's located isn't really what the, the name means. Overland dungeons are basically smaller and underground ones are larger. Uh, he cited Black Rose Keep as a good example that it's physically it's above ground, but it's an underground dungeon in its style. So I thought that was really cool. And the, the 15 dungeons getting a number, something like that is what their goal is. It's pretty neat. So what do you think I, about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I definitely have thoughts here. And then this came up. Literally, like immediately, um, there was during the DRT. Uh, you know, the obvious question is like, "Oh man, only fifteen dungeons!" And and then it, hmm. you know, went into some other kind of side conversations. Um, and obviously, you want to ask like, "What counts as a dungeon?" Then and and there there were a bunch of like kind of attempts at, at clarifying that. But I to be honest, man, I kind of wish they had skipped this question or at least didn't really didn't directly respond because it it's still it's still a number man uh and even with all the caveats that they kind of put behind that it's it's stuff that people are going to attach to and draw conclusions from and i think it's something that we just kind of have to be patient and see how it plays out and that's why i'm not a huge fan of these numbers um someone actually pointed out uh during the conversations we've had on the discord just that you know, EQ actually launched with about 15 dungeons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And playing EQ2's Varsoon server, I realized that EQ2 technically had even less uh, at launch. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually quite limited. Um, but it all kind of depends on what you count as a dungeon. And <laughs> and I think we're, we'll be seeing a ton of overland areas that aren't considered dungeons that'll still be like major points of interest. Um, and so the, the 15 number, I think, is... If anything, it'll it'll cause a lot of discussion, and you know I'm thankful mm-hmm. for that. 
But, you know, as far as being like, oh, well, like 15 dungeons. And then uh, one of the biggest conversations was like counting the dungeons of King's Reach and being like, oh, man, well, that only leaves so many dungeons for Rainfall or White Thaw. And um, I, I just I think it's too early to start really, you know, putting those hmm. things together personally. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not so much like it, the number is too low for you. It's more of like getting too specific yeah like setting expectations too clearly you know that's that's what you're saying yeah because i mean even even when we're talking or like adding up the king's reach dungeons you could think oh well all these dungeons are on king's reach and that means only you know three dungeons are left for rainfall or something like that mm-hmm. and you could be upset that rainfall seems like the neglected continent but that might not be the case at all. It might be, you know, three extremely major dungeons and then a ton of like open world points of interest that just aren't counted. It, it could be all mm-hmm. sorts of things, man. And that's that, that's why it's kind of like itching a little bit um, with the hmm. 15. I, to me, it I didn't have that reaction. To me, 15 seemed like a good number. It seemed like a reasonable number, uh, especially when you get into it a little more as we're going to here in terms of what that actually means. Because, um, you know, in terms of like scale and scope, like, so you're saying like, what is a dungeon? You know, is it a point of interest? Like, how do you sort of, how far does that definition go out? Um, Joppa talked about that a little bit uh, in terms of scale and scope. He said, actually, Black Rose Keep is actually one of their smallest dungeons. Uh, while Halner Cave is is a medium-sized dungeon and then went on to emphasize, like, even with how much of Halner Cave they've shown on stream and, and players in PA testing have done, there's still areas nobody's found yet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, that's amazing, right? So think about that. Like, that's a medium-sized dungeon. Now, what's a large dungeon? <laughs> how? Yeah. So when you have dungeons of this scale and scope, do you need more than 15? Do you, you know, like, do you do you really need... Would you rather have quality or quantity? For sure. And so. and we're talking about dungeons that cover so many tiers of play as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, the obvious question would be like, so like Amber Fate or something. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. is Amber Fate a zone or is it a dungeon or is it multiple points of interest all in one? Like, yeah. you know, if it is a dungeon, it seems like it covers like 20 levels. <laughs> So, so like, I mean, that's pretty major to me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I it's definitely something to see how it plays out. I, I don't have a problem with the number at all, um, but okay, I do yeah. want to see how it, like, what it means matters so much more than how many. Yeah, I I I think Amber Fate. I mean, just from what we've seen, and my guess is that Amber Fate's definitely a large scale dungeon. I think it's probably, you know, just from what we've seen, that's my guess is that they're aiming towards making it one of the larger dungeons in the game. And I think if you sort of like, you know, on the, on the balance, you were talking about rainfall versus, you know, white thaw versus King's reach, you know, you take, you get three large dungeons versus six, you know, small and three mediums, you know, it sort of balances out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so and, 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 you know, you talk about scale and you said multi-tier and that's even another thing that was brought up in this roundtable because it's Joppa talked about some dungeons being linked, right? So um, he said that there's specifically a thing, um, a place called the Seven Locked Door. And you can see it on the old concept art map of, of the world that 
They've never talked about it. We know and, absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> and then Joppa never wasn't going to say anything either. He he threw it out there and then just... He uh, had to bite his tongue quite a bit. There was a lot of biting of the tongue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was His tongue was bloody by the, time <laughs> we, by the time he was done from chewing on it so hard. But yeah, we don't know anything about it, basically. They've never shown it. They never talked about it. Um, all you know is see it is on the map and that's it. So, But he, he did say this is a good example of a dungeon that's linked to other areas and can can go across zones or regions he mentioned another one called mangle rock which they have mentioned a few times but again we've never seen it we've never we don't know anything about it um i don't even think we've seen concept art of it but he went into detail about basically as you go deeper you'll come to what he described as sort of being like a point of no return and if you proceed you basically you end up in another different dungeon maybe a different region area of the world uh talked about linking them by cross zones did sort of pull it back and say like because somebody asked like would it be linking yeah yeah could you he's travel like, no, to no, one no, continent no. from another he's like no no not not on that scale yet but i love that idea right like how cool is that that you could start in amber fate and end up on another area of white oh yeah clearly, or maybe in the dwarven city right well, well so i, I want to tag on to that that mango rock thing because there is a, a mm-hmm. bit that is even more exciting and i think he he described and i'm kind of going off of my head knowledge here so sorry i don't have a specific <laughs> note but if i remember right he actually described there's a point in mango rock that is just an it appears to be an endless abyss yes and yes, he did and talk about that. the first thing i think of man someone is going to have to do the leap of faith. <laughs> Someone's going to have to I, see. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, so. Probably, probably a druid. So I'm looking at you <laughs> because you can, you can pour it out if you need to. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Lots I, of exciting I, stuff. Totally, totally exciting. And, you know, again, just, Quality over quantity, I think, is the, the refrain that I kept coming back to. And, and rather than having 50 dungeons of, you know, limited linear um, design, I'd rather have 15 of really well-crafted, intricate design. Yep. Um, I'm really glad so. you actually mentioned the multi-tier part, though, because um, even when we're talking about the 15, the number or whatever, um, I think it's it's so clear that these dungeons are going to span much larger level ranges than we're used to right um and and that's really important for pantheon i i think yeah we're going to be spending like a lot of time in these dungeons um dwelling there and uh i i'm a huge fan of that multi-part dungeon concept um like i really love going into a dungeon to find it kind of change and become something completely different as you get further and further from uh from the entrance you know and I, I, I mentioned uh, some EQ2 and Vanguard dungeons in the past, you know, that do things like that, like, you know, Stormhold, like there's like several distinct like mm-hmm. levels, right? Um, and it's just so cool. It makes you feel like you're really like you kind of step back in time or like you actually discovered something really special when you end up in an area that is different than when you started. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. the idea of going in and ending up in a completely different zone is so exciting <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. Even Halnir, like in the in what they've shown of Halnir, it starts off looking very different. By the time they get down to the bottom and, uh, you know, they're fighting in like, the, it's like the more blue stone kind of type of uh, environment. It's very different from the beginnings of Halnir Cave, right? Oh, yeah. 
And I think it's, I just, I think that's such a cool thing and I'm excited for it just as much as you are. Um, and, uh, the last thing that I wanted to highlight that they talked about, uh, was Chapa said about campfires. These are the places that, you know, they've sort of deemed safe spots and dungeons. And they've talked about previously, you know, um, being meant to be places players can camp out, come back at another time and, and sort of not be afraid of craziness. Um, so Joppa actually added a new piece of information that they haven't talked about before. He said that they they have plans to allow players to summon other players to these spots as long as the player being summoned had previously visited that spot. This is kind of kind of big news. Um, it makes me very happy to hear this, um, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of utilization of a spot like this is done for other things too. In fact, actually, in my last video, I, I speculated that these campfire spots, and I showed the one in Aberfate that they showed with Co on a stream a long time ago, um, might be where keepers can swap out their abilities because they did say keepers can't just do it like your normal limited mm. action set swap out. They would only be designated in certain areas. So that was kind of like my my guess. But um, this is a, a pretty big bean, if you ask me. Um, do, you, do you like this, that they, people can summon other players to a dungeon and campfire oh man uh, well, i i actually think this was such a huge drop um and like just a major reveal uh for the drt and uh this would be right. like my point of focus actually um <laughs> but like obviously i can't make any calls until we know the the full like mechanics of it you know like all the specifics and everything but um like off the cuff i would say this sounds kind of like a system of checkpoints in an adventure game right yeah yep. that's exactly yep, what exactly. i think of um and yep. so i actually love the idea of summoning players as, as long as they have to get there first yeah <laughs> that's the key that's yeah the, that's really i'm glad you pointed that out because that is the key otherwise it's a nonsense otherwise it's it's crap and it won't work if you make as long as you make players get to some place first and i mean this is a game mechanic that gets used in different ways in very various games right but um smart smart design yeah it, it is really key because i mean i really could see the gameplay developing where people like leave alts at different dungeon campfires and you know right. so summon their whole guild or something uh just to like bunny hop another group or you know stuff like that i'm, I'm not a really big fan of gameplay that involves just leaving a character park somewhere so so nah, you know no, with, with the right restrictions you know I, i'd love to see this um like it it'll make filling out a group um, in a dungeon so much easier. Oh, and this is kind of a, a great side effect of this. It, it gives a kind of horizontal progression. Um, cause if you don't unlock all these checkpoints, um, you can't be summoned, right? As long as they have that feature. Um, so it, not only do you get that kind of sense of accomplishment and, and relief, you know, when you get to one of the mm -hmm. campfires, but it, it also feels like you're adding to your character because, um, you know, if, if you just, nose of the grindstone spent all your time in like two areas to get to 50 um just to mm -hmm. you know optimize your leveling process or something like that you're gonna have a really hard time at first getting to all the other spots and all the other yeah. dungeons you'll you'll almost certainly need to get to even if you did get to 50 um so right. so yeah i mean oh we should probably point out i, I know you kind of said that um they're they're planning on it um but I think the word that was used was potentially uh, somewhere mm, in there. That's a good point. So I think this is great with, with the right, you know, finagling, but it is still technically a potentially thing. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, right? 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. I really like what you said about the horizontal progression too. I didn't thought of that, but like, you know, being, getting all your, getting all the campfire spots checked off your list, you know, it's sort of a thing that people are going to want to do, right? Because it makes them more versatile in terms of, you know, should they, uh, should they be just looking for a pickup group or maybe they're just, they want to. Uh, be available at any time for a certain dungeon when a camp becomes available or a group has a need for them, you know, you're going to want to just be able to get there. So you're going to want to make an effort to check all those campsites off your yep. list, off your list, if that's your and, goal. And like running, so. running guild members, like, Oh, we need to get you to the, uh, the, you know, frost giant room, uh, campfire yeah. in, you know, the, the tier, tier three version or tier three campfire <laughs> of, uh, of Amber fate or, you know, Amber something fate. like that. Yeah. Um, where it's like, it's a journey that you can, you know, have a goal, right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and another side of this was the whole, like, you know, they want that, what, two, two, three hour, like window. Right. And it gives your group like a goal. Okay. Let's, let's just get to this next campfire. Let's just get to, you know, this. And I, I love that feeling that it feels like an adventure game, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it totally does. Yeah. I love it too. And I'm, I'm really happy about this. And I, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, uh, be more stoked for, for being able to stay in a group, stay connected and get to your dungeon when your guild or your group needs you there. So I think that's really smart design. Um, so, you know, those are the things that, that stood out to me. Anything else in this uh, round table desert that, uh, piqued your interest? Oh man. Oh, well, I, it, I would say it's it wasn't as dense as uh, the previous roundtable, but there are definitely a few other little things I'd like to kind of point out real quick. Um, I I actually really think this this particular point is very very important, and it was kind of glossed over a little bit. Um, but they're really committing to having as many different ways for name to spawn as possible. Um, they they mentioned everything from like placeholders. Um, timers uh variable timers um spawning during certain windows after a placeholder was killed um some like yep. force spawned by by a quest or an item or a world interaction or you know maybe maybe or a nighttime or daytime or, oh nighttime yeah. and daytime um yep. you know there there you know a little, little nudge nudge hint there there's some other ideas uh slung around that were pretty <laughs> interesting as well uh but i can't say anything about those um but uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's really important that they use every tool possible to like mix up the boss spawning, because uh, the you know kill the placeholder yeah. until the boss spawns like. This eh. is and this is the discussion that we always sort of come back to about competition for content, right? Contested content. How is VR going to deal with contested content? Well, it it can't be contested if it's incredibly variable, right? You know, like. I mean, it can, but not in any kind of way that makes any kind of sense for anybody to do it on a, with a reasonable level of effort. I, I, I just think that this is this is so again smart design that deals with the problem that people are always worried about, and people argue as uses an argument for instancing and against open worlds, and it's like it's not that hard. <laughs> well, it can be done. Yeah, it can be as done. long as they you know they've got the tools to make all these encounters do these kinds of things um you know eventually people will figure out how it works right um you know maybe maybe some of the bosses will have different you know mechanics but uh mm-hmm. eventually people will figure out but it still adds a certain layer of learning and knowledge but, uh so yeah. you're not just oh we just get to this place and we just camp here 
period. Right. Uh, but even if even if they figure it out, if it's so variable that the effort to cover all the variables is not worthy of the reward, mm-hmm. like the reward might be great, but if the effort is so monumental to cover all the variables, it still won't be it'll be you know it'll still be available it'll yeah. be as contested as people are worried about yeah i think i i 100 agree and i think it'll keep people you know moving around and uh mm-hmm. and not necessarily always going after this very specific thing but kind of letting the game happen to them uh instead yes, i yes. think is exactly yeah, that's that's really great um cool. well another huge thing they talk about uh I, you, you can't not talk about this um, it's the underwater dungeons. Uh, man, they are really emphasizing that these will not be like overland dungeons and definitely not just, you know, combat, not but underwater. Catch, <laughs> catch, catch, keep 3.0. No, oh, we're not doing catch, keep 3.0. Yes. So they, they, uh, dug into this a, a good <laughs> little bit and they, they really emphasize. So the things they, they, they like really kind of put out there, I think was fun Ha, you know, has to be fun, but also specifically mentioned solid movement mechanics being paramount. Um, and I think that is, <laughs> that is probably the most important thing, right? Is the underwater movement. Mm. Um, yeah. But, uh, but they also, see, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the underwater movement. See, to me, this, this topic didn't really resonate with me as much because I, I didn't really, um, I didn't hear the, the specifics that I needed to hear. Like I didn't really hear like how, I mean, there was sort of that it was it was more of Joppa speak of philosophical, philosophical and principles rather than actual mechanics or actual like this is exactly how we're going to do it. You know, so it was still in the realm of theoretical for me. Like I get the idea of it. They want to do it. You know what he was saying? Yeah, I didn't really understand. There, there definitely is an air of like what we want. It's just design talk, right? It's design yeah, talk yeah, rather yeah. than like mechanic talk. But I, he did yeah. mention some mechanics, um, the, at least on the board for we would like to do this, right? And and so he talked about like uh, you know bubbles, obviously, uh, underwater yeah, caves, um, even like sections yeah. that are like not submerged. So you swim to it and then you enter a a period where it's uh, not submerged as well. Um, even mm-hmm. like currents um, and. I feel like it's not a Joppa talk lately unless, you know, he mentions riding <laughs> creatures, right? Yeah. I um, know every time he gets a chance, he brings it I know. Up. He, I could tell he's really excited about it, uh, but we've really got to see it. But even mentioned, like, so underwater creatures. And uh, obviously, I don't know if this is going to be a f- for sure thing, right? Um, because we still haven't even seen underwater anything. Um, yeah, and underwater anything. But, but I'll mention the example, and that's catching a ride on a creature. Uh, and there's definitely seems to be something that isn't in your control so it might like it might take you where you want but it also might drag you down to the depths uh <laughs> which a, i don't know about that man i don't know <laughs> which might uh that, that might be something you want to watch out for um uh <laughs> we'll see how that plays out i think that does kind of lean into their overarching design of like wanting people to take risks right um yeah so i mean risks are one thing but like is this dolphin friendly or is this dolphin going to you know <laughs> smash me into the <laughs> bottom of the sea floor and bury my corpse beneath a, a pile of coral like i don't know about that uh, it it seems 
again, we, I need to see this and I need to see this yeah. action. Yeah, pass judgment. That's on true. It. That we could probably put a pin in it for that. Um, but it was talked yeah. about a good amount, and so again, it is uh, probably building up the expectations a little bit high. So we have mm-hmm. to see how how it goes. But um, <laughs> actually, on a on a small like victory note um, here, because this is really important to me, but. Um, they confirmed that there will absolutely be a dungeon below level 10. Um, and as yeah, part of the good. new new player experience changes that they're doing as well. And um, but yeah, uh, I, I think this is incredibly important to me. <laughs> so Yeah, it's important to me too. And I, I really, I've said this before that part of the learning curve, part of the new player experience has to be grouping. 100%. You know, they've, they've, been focused, they've been focused a lot on the one to 10 experience with their monk stuff lately and how this teaches the player their class. But you need to teach people how to use their class in groups. That's it. You know, so there's got to be a level, a sub level 10 dungeon. And they did talk about it. So I was very pleased by that. Too. Yeah, 100%. Well, uh, I know we've been, uh, as, <laughs> as it kind of happens, we've <laughs> spent too much time uh, on this. But as as always, definitely check out the stream itself. Um, it was quite good. It was very Joppa. Um, but, uh, but really, I think the overall takeaway would be, uh, so one, um, this phrase that Joppa very passionately would say, uh, and that's that the dungeons in Pantheon are meant to be inhabited. Uh, it, and not ran, uh, not necessarily crawled or camped, but inhabited. Uh, very much emphasized the um, sense of place and uh, just being in an area for an uh, extended amount of time. And I, I think I, I really like that. Um, so do I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and, and then like kind of the other phrase that keeps ringing, you know, in my head. Uh, it's it, this is another thing where he's like kind of fighting his tongue, right? But uh, he says, you know, when we're in dungeons, there are things. This is so <laughs> I can't even read this without like laughing because this is just so so Joppa. Mm-hmm. But there are things you mm-hmm. will find that w- that are unexpected, and uh, he he just seems very keen on a certain amount of unpredictability, um, and. I lean on the side of thinking that this will make for some really exciting dungeon experiences uh, if they can pull it all together. Yeah. But expect yep. the unexpected, Derek. Yeah, I agree, man. Hundred percent. I love the unexpected, and I want to inhabit many, many dungeons in my time in Pantheon. Yeah, <laughs> I will be a dungeon inhabitant. So that's uh, the roundtable for you. And uh, quickly, let's look at what we're doing uh, this week on Pantheon Plus. Uh, if you're here for the premiere on Sunday, July third, well, hey, today is the day for some power leveling. Uh, Drac is doing his eight hours of power leveling on the EQ Thornblade server if you're interested. So hopefully uh, if you've uh, messaged him, you're doing that right now, or maybe you can get in there and join in. Um, but um, again, it starts on July 3rd, Sunday, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern until 1 a.m. Uh, in the morning. And uh, that should be fun. I'm going to be doing some power leveling myself this weekend on EverQuest because they are doing a bonus. That's why he's doing that. In terms of our the rest of our schedule on Monday, Drac and the crew are doing their midnight uh, EQ after dark on our Twitch channel on Pantheon Plus Twitch TV. On Tuesday, we're back for EverQuest for more MMOs 101. A lot of EverQuest this week. <laughs> I feel like EverQuest, EverQuest overload. Anyway, that's 9 o'clock Eastern on our Twitch channel as well. 
on Thursday, our friend Redbeard Flynn is doing a video about pay to win. So that will be interesting. And he always has good insights from him. Sparrow is also on Thursday playing some WoW Classic on her Twitch channel. That's at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. She's playing Friday as well. She's doing some P99 on her channel. So that starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Our friend Nathan's back with uh, another Cringe Pony TV episode, Saturday night, 11 p.m. Central. And uh, is it 11 p.m.? Yeah, 11 p.m. Central. That's right, midnight Eastern. And that's the schedule for our Pantheon Plus crew and friends between July 4th and 10th. And it's also this week's VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. All right. First off, I really want to shout out uh, the Pantheon community just in general for actually making the forums, uh, at least the general gameplay uh, forums on the official side, uh, pretty active lately um, with some really neat threads. And like I I know it's, let's be real, it's it's such a small percentage of people that (laughs) operate with forums anymore, right? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> but it is really cool to see that it's being used pretty actively lately to just like kind of throw around some, you know, pretty cool ideas and, and get a lot of responses. Like the threads are like, they're not dying, you know, and, and that's just, I don't know, it's just a cool thing I noticed. It, I want to point it out. It's just a long, long form discussion in general is, is dying. So the more things where we can promote long form discussion instead of 30 second sound bites and clips is exactly. Better. And that's, that's why I love, you know pulling from the forums to give them a little bit yes. of love. Um, but yeah, so there, there are a few threads I have my eye on um, that uh, we'd have to kind of do a nice big segment on. Um, but in the interest of, of time, because uh, I can't help but talk about the dev roundtable stuff, uh, but we have a little fun <laughs> one. Fun. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that this week. And uh, this was posted on the official forums by a good old goofy warrior guy. And, um, of course, later promoted on the official Pantheon social media. Um, it's titled A Zone by Any Other Name. Uh, and it touches on something that, well, I mean, it it might be kind of trivial <laughs> for a lot of folks. But uh, for folks like uh, Moxie, Moxie Online, uh, who puts a ton of work into the Pantheon wiki, thank you, Moxie, um, actually, you know, needs to think about. So... Basically, it goes like this. So now that we have a seamless world and it's obvious that we, you know, what we would once consider zones will no longer be so cut and dry. um, What do we call them? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. while we know that some dungeons will have a zone line, there will be a zone in for for a lot of dungeons. It does seem that overland zones will be a lot more obscure, uh, often having subzones within for example, like the Mad Moors within Wild's End or uh, Hangor in Avengers Pass. So hmm. how would one go about labeling these things, uh, especially considering there are some dungeons that are open world or overworld, I should say? Like, how, and how do you think the UI should show these, you know, if at all? Um, so, well, uh, Kilson actually did respond to this thread uh, when, when he said, you know, hey, I'm promoting this, but also you know, hey, I brought this to the team. Uh, maybe get some clarification. Um, there's no official VR response yet uh, on what they should be called or how they're structured or whatever. So let's uh, have a quick chat. What do we call these areas? <laughs> uh, <laughs> areas. Yeah. Places. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a little bit silly. It's a little bit semantic, right? But uh, no, I, 
I like it. I, I think it's important because of the no zone line, the seamless world thing. I think it, it maybe got overlooked and swept through up in the hype of that because you forget that we still need names for places. Like we still need to know where we are. If you say I'm going to meet meet me in this zone, well, where does that zone begin and end? You know? it, yeah, ex- especially considering the zones aren't squares, um, as you know, the right. roadmap suggests we're going to have zones with very different <laughs> boundaries. Yeah. It's like... It's like, meet me at the third tree from the left in the Mad Moor, past the stinking swamp. <laughs> exactly. You know, just before you get to Ogre Cave 1, you know, like that's what it's going to end up being. Exactly. And so we need a little bit of structure, right? Um, so let's get yeah. into some of these uh, suggestions and responses from the community. So the first up is going to be Dikensu, uh, and they have a few thoughts. So one uh, easy comparison is to WoW, right? Because um, that's also seamless. Um, and they also have zone in uh, dungeons. So uh, but they still call the overworld areas zones um, and the dungeons they call instances, which, you know, whatever. Um, but as they point out, there's simply kind of sh- this unobtrusive, like on-screen message when you cross over. It says, oh, you're in this place now, um, which they think was pretty effective. Uh, and they, they also note that, that music um, is a good way to usher in the idea of a new area, which I thought mm-hmm. was right off the bat, such a nice little tidbit, right? So... So like that. So there. Do you, yeah. Can you think of any really like memorable music changes when going into a new zone? Well, not in terms of games that used a seamless design like that. I mean, I I, I think when you zone into um, the Thundering Steps in EverQuest Two comes to mind immediately because it had really memorable music. Mm. But then again, that was a hard zone line too. There was a there was a loading process there. So, um, I, I like the idea though of music sort of overlaying into or, or transitioning into a different a theme being a signifier of a new zone. I think that's an amazing idea and I, I hadn't thought of that. And like music is very, you connect it to certain areas, oh, like yeah. I said, with EQ2. But um, before we started recording, you and I were talking about a really memorable song from Guild Wars 2 right at the end, uh, you know, Fear Not This Night. And I have that completely attached in my brain to that final I mean, it's not a zone, it's a a cinematic or whatever, but um, still, it's very attached to it. I think using music is a great way to do this. I would really, really love to see them do that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You know, we don't have to get into it again, but I have a lot of experiences of of zoning into an area um, and having very memorable, like, oh, the, the music hits you and it's like, it just fits, you know, it fits the zone and then you would just always associate it. Um, and I mean, obviously things like Isle of Refuge in EQ2, I think is a, like that music is just embedded (laughs) in my head. Uh, same with the trade skill instance music, but (laughs) it is funny. You mentioned that all these are, you know, games with zone, like hard zones. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I see no reason why we wouldn't have that in a, a seamless, you know, world. And I'm sure wow, you know, wow does this. Um, but I just can't think of any memorable like music that goes along with it. So it's a really great yeah. opportunity for Pantheon, I think. It would be cool if you could say to somebody like, meet me where the music changes, you know? Like, how do I know where you are? Well, meet me where the music switches, well, you know? like I'll, you, you remember sweet, the Halnir's the Cave thing from way back in the day with the, the oh, piano man, music? I, it's funny you brought that up. I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it because... I don't think it's something they're doing anymore, but they did talk about it in that co-stream when he finds that window and the music changes 
um, is a perfect example of what we're talking yeah. about. And they had a name for it at the time, the system they were using, and I haven't heard it mentioned since, but like, yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah. that is pretty intense. Great opportunity. I hope they're still down with that, even for like big, big areas, right? I, I would expect as I approach Sirhirith, right? Like it's gonna, we're gonna get that sound to indicate, hey, you're in the city, you're like, you know, whatever. Anyway, yeah. a little jaunty tune. Oh yeah, it's gotta be, right? It's gotta be. <laughs> um, well, also, uh, I should know that Dikenzu also um, said that, you know, they'd like if the UI showed uh, not only like the main zone, but also kind of that sub zone as like a location underneath. Um, if we are getting into hard UI descriptions, um, I don't know, I, th- I think that that would be helpful, right? You know, you're in Wild's End, but yeah. Sore Heareth or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the question is, do you display it on the UI somewhere, right? Does it have to be um, does it have to be readily available to you, you know, where you are yeah. in some sort of tangible UI element? I don't know. Yeah. And no, actually it, that kind of thing comes up with, uh, Chenzim here, uh, in the thread suggests a kind of hierarchy, um, that starts with like the world and the continent and then, you know, getting more refined as you go. So probably like, you know, Wild's End and then Sorhirith and kind of that whole structure, uh, to kind of tell you in that fashion, you're in this place that's within this place that's within this place um, to help identify your location, which I don't know. Is that too much? Is that too um, specific? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't really, I don't really need the details. Like I don't want my uh, coordinates displayed at all times. Like, I don't Oh need yeah. That. Some people, some people probably would, right? Some people want to know exactly from a XY, you know, axis graph, where am I on the map? You know, um, some people would want more specific information. I prefer it again. Um, I think of Elden Ring in this regard and how less is more, you know, it, it shows you the name when you, when you come into an area, you know, it's, it sort of fades in and out on, and on your, right in front of your screen. And then you're never really like, you know, you're never really told anywhere by a, a constant UI element what area you're in. That's right? true. So. Yeah, that is true. Uh, except at the campfires, right? So yes, that's right. Actually, that's oh man, we, ooh, we oh, <laughs> I almost I almost went way off the reels there for a second. But but yeah, yeah, I felt you going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I retreated. Um, so this is we only have so much time, right? So let, let's uh, let's get into the what do we call it real quick. We'll just do kind of a lightning round uh, of of you know through the thread. Sure. Um, what we should call zones, um, and so okay. so Ixar, Ixar thinks they should just be called zones because that's what everyone's used to, right? Uh, okay. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, but Manuk rep- uh, recommended realms, which is very uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. uh, fair enough. Fair we've enough. got uh, a pretty good consensus here from Hokanu, Faded Emperor. Uh, Snow, Snow Trudger, I think, and a few others. Um, they suggest regions, um, which I think is okay. pretty descriptive. Regions, sure. um, Counterflesh uh, could go for zones or regions as well. Uh, Dorotea says just areas. Um, uh, Vandrad mm-hmm. and uh, Rattan Man uh, say they think, like, no matter what, zones are just going to be what people call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's probably right. It's, it doesn't matter what we call them. It, it what matters is what VR calls them. Yeah, and I, and that's kind of a, a fun like reason I wanted to grab this thread now is for all we know, like VR is going to pop into the thread and be like, yeah, this is how we kind of organize it, which which would be nice for you know for the wiki folk to try to like put the information together. 
Um, cause even if it's not like shown in game, I do like the idea of some sort of organization, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, it needs to be, it, there does need to be a structure to yeah. it. And there does need to, as much as I'm, you know, advocating for like, you know, no apparent UI element, there does need to be some structure to it because it's, it's still a game and, and, you know, we will refer to it as zones. I like realms. I mean, personally, realms, realms is a nice just from a just from a literary standpoint and maybe it's because of the like forgotten realms connection in my mind but i like that word it definitely um, rolls so off would... the tongue to be like oh yes i'm in the realm of wild's end or i'm in the realm of yes. throne fast <laughs> yes that's that's i i like that that would get my vote what about you what which one would you pick i i like regions because i'm probably too logical for this <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree uh, for literature and narrative, like realms just sound so cool. But I think someone in the thread, I'm yeah. sorry if you're listening and I, I forgot your name, but someone in the thread pointed out that like they don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like they don't need to call them something it's that's true. like, you know, really yeah. novel. Obscure. But <laughs> yeah. So it's really not about what it's called. It's really about how it's structured. And ho hopefully VR uh, hops into that thread and, uh, and gives gives an answer, um, and then the community, I'm sure, will just call them whatever we feel like. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's what it's going to be. It's it's going to be emergent gameplay no matter what. <laughs> yep. Right? So it's going to be like community votes. This is what we say it is, and that's what it is. Yep. Hundred percent. Well, fun fun little <laughs> semantic thread. Uh, feel free to put your ideas in there and check in on it. See if VR uh, gives a uh, for sure answer. If they just kind of let us wallow and in our uh <laughs> but uh yeah and uh we're gonna skip a spotlight uh this this week um so next week i'll be doing catch up as everyone uh posts their videos and content of various kinds but that's going to be it for this week's community discussion mail on a sunday that's right let's check the mailbox Let's check the mailbox because we have a couple mail uh, questions from our community. And the first one is from Kyle Katarn, our friend uh, and uh, listener to the show. And Kyle says, I think overall VR has done a much better job communicating with their fan base and pledgers during this heads down period than the last one. And he's referring to Fairthail. Uh, Project Fairthale. So he said, however, this time we may be stretching into territory where they're running out of content to show as the integration might be taking longer than anticipated, um, but that could still be proven wrong. What do you think they could do to improve further on any future and inevitable heads down periods? So um, what do you think, Desert? I'm going I'm yeah. <laughs> to put the pressure on you and get you to take this first one. But uh, what do you think? I, well, first of all, uh, because it's mailbox, I like specifically didn't like think about a uh, answer ahead of time. Right. Um, but yeah, why do you think I'm giving it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I do agree that like this, we're in a much better state than project Fairthale. And I think Kyle points out a really uh, prominent thing that I agree with. And that's, we might be getting into a point where they are showing a lot, like as it's coming so that there might not be a lot in the background. Uh, Cause that's usually mm -hmm. my, my stance is, I don't think there's, you know, 10 times as much content that they're not showing. Um, but there is a point where they're probably showing more than, not more than they're making, but like basically what they're making. And it is a bit problematic, right? 
Uh, and eventually, I'm sure yeah. there, you know, we, we just went through a bit of a heads down period uh, that was really successful, I would say. Yes. Um, so good, good on them for that. But that, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I'm, I was going to say as well is that I think we learned a lot of lessons from this period. And I think those lessons need to be incorporated for future episodes or future head down periods. Um, I think minus, and I'm going to give him props because what he did. So remember that depth stream where they had, they checked in with all the different members of the areas of the yeah. team. So you had check in from HR, you had a check in from quality assurance, you had all these different heads of their departments or, or members of their departments checking in creative content like that is the key doing things that haven't been done before trying new things and being open to taking chances with different styles of presentation that's the key here because it keeps people talking even if it's not content that is new people are going to be talking about what you did you know? yeah and yeah it's going to be good and bad you're going to have some misses like <clears throat> making jokes about <laughs> alpha but you're also going to have some hits like checking in with the heads of the departments i think I think that's a trade-off that you make. And I think that that is the lesson VR should take from this period and apply to future periods. You know, I I actually think specifically a few things made it so much better. And the first one is that we got a heads up um, way ahead of time. I would, I feel like way ahead of time. So we know this thing's coming. They gave vague projections, which I think is the right thing. You don't want to give a specific one because as we just recently saw, you know, they gave a specific projection and they missed it a little bit. Um, But not to say they're like behind or anything, just it's what happens. But, uh, but yeah, they gave us a heads up and they prepared content. So they, it seems like they knew ahead of time. Okay. So we're not going to be able to show all this stuff because we're heads down for this. So here's our alternative during the meantime. It was really smart. And if we ever have another heads down period, I hope they do the same thing because I think those two things are really what carried it for me. Like the specific side yeah. of the content that you mentioned was really great. You know, the, the check-in was one of my favorites, right? But mm-hmm. the preparation of content during that and the letting everyone in the community know the time is coming uh, was without either of those things, I think it would have felt a lot ba- a lot worse, right? Um, so agreed. Yeah. And I think that this upcoming developer roundtable that's open to everybody is another example of something that they're doing. Another idea, something new, something novel we haven't seen before. It keeps the community interested and excited. Even if it doesn't always work out great, it still is a thing that shows that they're active. They're, you know, aware of their need to communicate and, and remain transparent. True. So I really like, it's a good question. Thanks, Kyle, for that question. Do you want to read the next one um, from Colin? Uh, sure. So this is uh, Colin104. Um, we know him as Agil, uh, but uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> your, your EQ too, buddy. In, well, and now League of Legends, surprisingly. Um, oh, nice. Though I probably nice. shouldn't have outed myself on the show like that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but so. We know how toxic you are, Dad. I know, right? Um, you talk. So the, the full question is going to be this. Should spells such as Phase and Summon Raft uh, from the Summoner and Order of the Gatewalkers from the Wizard take large amounts of mana to cast? Or has VR mentioned how much mana these spells should consume? I imagine that spells such as these would consume large amounts of resources. So, For example, think of the amount of power it requires to summon a raft that can carry your group down a river or through the ocean. Should something like that cost at least 75% of your max mana? 
pretty straightforward question mm -hmm. that I get to throw straight yeah. to you because you had me read it. <laughs> and because I prepared something, because I actually <gasps> saw this question and um, went back. It reminded me of something that was said in May uh, developer, the May developer roundtable. That was, and we didn't touch on this. They talked about long cooldown abilities. So one of the things that was mentioned by Kyle in that, or uh, Kyle, which, wait, no, it was Adam. It was Tehom that talked in this one. He said the highest cooldown ability they have at the moment is five minutes, but he also loves 30-minute cooldowns, and there's a there's a place for that. He said that they weren't committing to it, though. They said the, the limited action set has to factor into it, um, and that, you know, would it be something you'd ever put on your ability bar if it had a super long cooldown, and you were going to wait and sort of review this down the road? This is where I think this comes into play. I think instead of taking up most of your mana, I think this is the kind of spells that you put on super long cooldowns. Um, and maybe that's, you know, obvious. Maybe that's something that's like, people are like, yeah, no, no doubt. You know, <laughs> it shouldn't be like a five minute thing. But on the other hand, um, you know, what if you needed to summon a raft multiple times to get to a certain location and, you know, you've only got one summoner in the group, right? Do you need a second summoner? Do you need to find somebody who has an alternate ability to get to the next place? I think it really increases your group interdependence. Um, you could make it cost a lot of mana, but I think that would be less interesting because you can just down yeah, regen. Yeah. It just it's a time sink more than a uh, more than a tactical consideration as opposed to like you know if it's a long cooldown you gotta you're gonna have to really come up with another strategy for it. So I would go with cooldown timers as opposed to mana cost. What about I you? completely agree? <laughs> I mean, yeah. to put it super simply, uh, I think the long cooldown for like you, you even put it so well the tactical abilities is just so great so that I'm assuming you won't be able to move stuff off of your bar when you, when it's on cooldown. Right. So you, you have to deal with that consequence. Right. Um, right. That would be a cheat. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So assuming that I much prefer the long cooldown for, for big abilities like this, because, you know, I don't think the mana really matters that much, but I also think big stuff like this should require a component um, I think this is a lot of the, the Mortal Online 2 side talking um, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. big spells in that game require big components. Um, and Nice, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. yeah. That's why they can have these crazy powerful spells where like, you know, in, in the previous game, it's not in the, the second game yet, but they had some like, you know, literally changing the weather. Um, I think one of them even causes like fireballs to fall from the sky, like just crazy stuff. <laughs> but the thing is like those components, it, it would be like, you know, it would be like consuming a, a high end piece of raid gear uh, in order to to do them. Um, you know, maybe not that extreme, but I, I do think along yeah. with a long cooldown, there should be some sort of uh, item because as as we've found out, most likely when you die, you're going to drop what is on you, right? And yeah, yeah. what's in your what inventory. I would like to avoid is situations where someone goes naked into uh, do one of these tactical spells. Um, and mm. so I, th I think they should carry some kind of risk as in at least they have to carry the component, right? Um, that's a good point. Yeah, as well as the um, the cooldown. So I know that might sound strict, but I do put a lot of weight on these kind of tactical things. Because um, mm -hmm. I think like the raft, for example, uh, you know, there's a lot of waterworks on, uh, on even the continent mm -hmm. we have a map of. And, you know, crossing a river, I feel like 
the choice is, well, we could try swimming and probably die. <laughs> <laughs> or get eaten by an unfriendly um, dolphin, perhaps. Right. Or, you know, we have a, a summoner that can get us a raft um, at, a, at a price, right? Because you don't want to yeah. trivialize yeah. it, but you want to make it a, a real decision. And, uh, and I don't want it to be like a summoner that just, you know, they parked their alt to, <laughs> to just, the to, fairy yeah, man. the fairy man. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I think that that's kind of how I would like it, um, with, with that much weight. I love that. I love that. That's a great, that's a great answer to that. And I hadn't even thought of that, but awesome questions, uh, from both Kyle and Colin this week. So if you have a question for the mailbox, uh, hop into our discord, there's a channel called real rewind mailbox that you can leave your question in. And, uh, you know, when we get enough of them, we answer them and, uh, go again. So look forward to the next time. So that'll wrap up the mailbox. Sit back and relax. It's time for the lore, you know, all right. In the final chapter of Arakamel's tale, we're going to learn more about the dire. What is it? Is it a curse? Is it a boon? Or is it something else entirely? You know, these are the questions that the ogre has to deal with. And should he embrace the changes that he's facing? Or should he fight them? Well, find out as we listen along, as I read the words of J.N. Gerhardt, Pantheon's lead writer in this week's Loria Now. In the months that followed, the dyer came to Arakamel with increasing power, though most often as he slept. It would seem to warn him of threats even before his ears could detect them. The Black Moon sent dozens of warriors after him, assassins and even groups of shaman. Yet the dyer revealed them all. In time, Arakamel became less of an ogre and more of what is known as a dire lord. Yet, unlike most in that unsettling fraternity, Arakamel did not seem to trust the dark mystery that dwells within. Much of his effort was spent keeping the powerful force in check, careful to wield and not be wielded by. As months became years, he spent much of his time as a soldier for hire, or occasionally leading small bands of dawn or dire devotees. Yet knowledge, more than war, was Arakamel's focus, and no matter his battlefield success, the dire would push him further into isolation. He did not revel or boast. He spoke no reply to challengers or fools. In fact, he rarely used words at all, even going so far as to place a slate mask over his mouth to speak for his silence. In contrast, the dire whitened his skin, removing him further from the appearance of an ogre and towards that of an apparition. His eyes stayed forever black, with smoke-like stains fanning out around the rim, as if they'd been on fire for years. For several years, Arakamel continued to be hunted, but the body count of these assailants only grew in kind. In the early months, most were killed with his bare hands, until he fashioned the black-bladed weapon known as Moonfell. While he's no longer actively sought, there is a rumor that a bounty remains on his head and even that his name is carved into the very throne of the Black Moon clan. This is so every successor king who sits upon it will be taunted until the dawn is dead. Arakamel has carvings of his own, but the cuts are into his skin rather than wood. These are the red runes that adorn his body, and their meaning is a riddle without an answer, perhaps even to Arakamel himself. Some have taken to calling these inscriptions the Tome of the Dawn, 
completing a rather peculiar circle. One that suggests the three virtues may have power even greater than those in Broken Maw could have imagined. The Dawn, the Tome, the Dyer. And that is the lore you know. Oof. All right. Well, our road trip has reached its de- destination, <laughs> Desrin. And, uh, destination. I, uh, I'm feeling destination. Yeah, oh, I love it. So, all right, man. I'm feeling pretty relaxed. I'm ready to enjoy my holidays. Thanks, uh, Desrin, for joining me on this trip today. I hope you had a good time. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a blast as usual. Right on. And thanks to everyone else for hanging out with us today. We will be back next week for episode 109. And uh, just remember to uh, check out our social media and uh, check the um, the channel here for videos that we may have mentioned. Check the show notes for links to all the content we discussed. And I hope everybody has a wonderful summer week. And until next week, cheers and thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter, and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers, and thanks for listening.